Boom. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pit Life Barbecue Podcast, coming to you live from the Uncle Steve Shake Studios in Santa Bonstead, New Hampshire. It's Monday night. It's 8 o'clock. Let's go, folks. Like I said, Uncle Steve Shake, check him out. 15 amazing flavors, the original Legator Shake, the Dessert Shake, the competition line, um, the sauce with no name, um, freshest of ingredients each and every time. Uh, any questions you have, the customer service, Steve is the one answering the phone. He's a one-man show. So any questions you might have on flavor profiles, give him a call. He'll talk to you, figure out your play, flavor profiles with you, and uh, set you up with what you need. Uh, follow him on YouTube, many videos from many different creators, and follow the Uncle Steve Shake Nation Facebook page for all the latest sh shake information uh deals giveaways and everything else so let's get down to it folks let's see daddy dutch yes i know i'm a couple of minute late shoot me judge wep what's going on simon what's happening junior big salinas barbecue in the house chef johnny what's happening uh guys i am so excited about tonight little backstory this is going back to originally somewhat being introduced to this gentleman back at super bowl 49 and he made a splash on media day mm. and who the and whoever would have thought that all these years later both have barbecue podcasts and sitting gonna sit here and talk barbecue Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Barrow Boy. Barrow, what's up, brother? How are you, man? Thank you for having me on tonight. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. A little chilly. Ain't gonna uh, lie to you. It's a balmy. It's a balmy 13 degrees. Rough. Yeah, it's uh, here in Phoenix. It's uh, it's our cold season, quote unquote. And uh, you know, it's pretty exciting around here. We actually got rain uh yesterday and today oh, so it's wow. like right. it's crazy they say you you're uh you've adapted to being a local here in phoenix when it are when you are excited when it rains so it's uh it's a good thing i mean it's like you know mid 50s little rain it's like you don't know what to do it's great <laughs> oh that's so awesome that's so awesome what else we got uh chris stuckey what's up brother thanks for tuning in brother it's been a while so, like, like I was saying, Barrow, was introduced to you through, you know, the news and ESPN mm -hmm. and the clips from back then, then was reintroduced to you uh, at some point last year, want to say, I don't know, springtime, begin okay. anyway, when you guys started your own podcast. Yeah, you Kyle from your behind from, barbecue yep. and fill the grill. Yeah, we started, started that. Uh, we started that in we're in 2024 now. We started that in, uh, I guess you'd say the midsummer of 2022, and we started kind of getting them rolling. 2023 was our 
like I said, say our year where we kind of had it all ironed out and we're starting to kick out the content. Um, the idea came about, it was uh, Kyle and Kyle, who I've known for God, 15 years called me and goes, I want to start a podcast. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And then uh, we brought Phil in or he brought Phil in and away it went. Yeah. It was funny because uh, I had, uh, I had Kyle on and it, it had to have been, oh shoot, literally episode one or, or number two. Yeah. You know, so I've been, I've been following the podcast from the get go and you guys well, are doing a fantastic job. Well, we love it. It's fun. I mean, it was interesting. I remember the very first time we started it, it was, uh, it was, those two are both very, very, very dynamic, outgoing personalities. And, you know, it's first time you put a microphone in front of someone's face, you don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. You can get the most dynamic, outgoing, amazing personality in the world. And then instantly they put a microphone in front of their face, and they lock up. And that wasn't the case with those two. Uh, it actually, initially, we had to kind of try to harness them in because they were so animated and wide open. It was like, all right, guys, we got to kind of try to keep this uh, train on the tracks. So, um, but now they're both great to work with. Uh, and, you know, what's funny is those two are the experts. I mean, mm-hmm. they, I mean, you look at their success at the Royal and Memphis in May and, you know, the SCA competitions and all that. I mean, they're both massively successful and I'm just the amateur hack on there who has a little bit of the radio and uh, background and kind of understands the process of editing and putting it all together. Um, but those two are the studs and stars. And I often, when I do this, when I do the podcast with them, I listen to those guys talk about their success and, or their, uh, you know what they're cooking what they're practicing and i'm like wow like there's the difference between the backyard Mm -hmm. amateurs and myself and the people who compete in rent restaurants and everything else i mean it's fun they're they're great guys to work with uh we enjoy it it's uh like i said you never know what you're gonna get if you know uh if you know phil johnson at all you know he is uh He's like dynamite, man. I mean, when he blows up and goes off, it is going to be a good time, and I love it. And Kyle, who is just as wild and crazy as the straight, you know, lace going on sometimes, and I'm looking around going, I never would have put that in my bingo card for the day, but look at this. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, like you said, you guys have been absolutely crushing it. Um, you know, some of the guests you've had on, you know, shit. You guys had Kevin Bledsoe. Uh, that was okay. So, oh my god, yeah, that was an awesome one. How that one came out with Kevin, uh, Phil, so that he could get him on. And I was like, dude, let's get him on. And Phil hit him up, got it set up, and away we went with it. And the craziest thing about Kevin was you didn't have to say a word, you just mm-hmm. set Kevin down the path, and away he went with the stories of how he got started, his different restaurants. His, you know, talking about his background in the business, the restaurant side of the business, battling through COVID, his love and cooking for the Dallas Cowboys to his Netflix specials. I mean, you're just like, this guy is just a vast amount of knowledge and the way he went and was just awesome. So he was a great guest we had on there. Uh, 
we had Cosmo on, which was awesome. You know, he was a great one. Uh, Kyle was able to set up that guy who went viral, uh, Barfly. You know, the guy who's cooking yes. all the the hotel bathrooms and all that craziness. <laughs> I still don't know if I buy the whole story with that, but yeah. I mean, I gotta say, as bizarre as that is, if we're in the business to try to. You know, let's be real. Anytime any of us do podcasts or do stuff, our goal is to get views, likes, shares, etc. If that's one of your main goals, and that's his main goal, that dude's crushing it. I mean, I don't know of any. I don't know how many of us are featured on the Today Show and Good Morning America and trending with millions of views. I mean, yeah, like him or not, the guy's doing it. So we were able to pull him, which was a great pull by Kyle. So we've been fortunate. No, absolutely, absolutely. And like I said, I enjoy it. Uh, you know, some the informative aspect, the comedy aspect, the you know, the tangents, the the ball busting. It, oh, it's, yeah, it's, you hit the nail on the head with the ball busting. I mean, I got to tell you, the the three of us get in the same room together. We just start going with each other. And sometimes I just turn the microphone on and I'm like, let it run. Because yeah. those Kyle and Phil going back and forth. <laughs> Is priceless. I mean, <laughs> it's absolute comedy gold. Those two are awesome together. Oh, yeah. You know, you just sit there and listen to the story of them, uh, you know, traveling to a competition and, you know, Phil's the princess. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I tell people, we go back and listen to the one. Uh, I'd have to, I'd have to, should have looked up what the episode number was. But when we talk about in one of the episodes when they went to Memphis in May and... Oh. Phil drove across the country with Kyle's dad, who we refer to on the podcast as Pops. Pops. They drive across the country. Well, we had this show episode. We had Kyle's dad Pops on and listening to the stories of how it all went down, how Phil almost got Kyle's dad killed because <laughs> like in just typical Phil fashion. I mean, that was probably one of my favorite episodes because I was like, these two are absolutely out of their uh their minds so it was mm -hmm. it's awesome and yeah those two travel to competitions is crazy it's great they're they're the they're the stars i just try to keep it all together and uh <clears throat> excuse me listen to a little bit of their uh listen to a little bit of their knowledge and try to pick it up i joke with them I'm like i edit you guys and make you guys sound good so when i call you or text you with a really dumb amateur question in the barbecue world don't judge me so yeah Oh, for sure, for sure. Let's see. Uh, Joey Edibles, what's up, brother? Big Rome. Steve Ray, the Owl's Nest Barbecue Show out of Ottawa, Tennessee. Mad Max, Smitty, brother Steven, representing Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, we got a whole crew here tonight, Barrel. Love it. NBL, what's up? Randy, what's going on? Nice, nice. So, Barrel, tell everybody a little bit, you know, who you are. How, what you I know, do. How so. you got into, you know, what you do, radio, and how how did the barrel come? <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> I've always wanted to be in radio in some fashion or other ever since I was a kid, like a little kid. Uh, I tell people, I grew up, oh, first off, I grew up in the Detroit area. And I grew up listening to baseball games on the radio with my grandfather. 
legendary broadcaster Ernie Harwell, and he would paint the picture of the baseball games. And I learned to love radio and learned to love all that. Going back to my grandfather, and I was kind of an idea I wanted to do it, but I never had an idea how I would get into it. So uh, about 20, I don't know, actually about 18 years ago, 19 years ago now, I went and worked as a intern at a radio station here in Phoenix, KNIX, 125 KNIX. Loved it. But again, trying to go from being a promotions person where you're hanging banners and setting up remotes to being on the air is a massive path and a long process to do it. So uh, the long story short, I went out with some friends one night, had a little too much to drink, shocking, and uh, showed up to work in not the best condition to work, aka hungover. And my boss said to me, you know, you should probably go home, sober up, get yourself together. When you come back, I'm going to embarrass you. Well, his idea of embarrassment was to make me put on a rodeo barrel and a cowboy hat and away it went. And that was kind of the start of this whole chaos and craziness. And it started as kind of a, a joke slash punishment. And that was about 18 years ago as social media was first coming into our lives. And everybody's goal with social media as a business, a brand, whatever, was to try to get your brand on people's social media feeds in an organic fashion. Well, me wearing a barrel, running around like a fool, people were taking photos of, with me, posting on their social media. So it kind of, that was kind of how it started to gain momentum and away it went. And mm -hmm. I started doing a variety of bits and stunts and stupid things with our morning show over the years. And it just kind of grew organically. And I've been extremely lucky extremely blessed, extremely fortunate. And, you know, I always tell people, if you don't have, if you're not the smartest, hopefully you're the luckiest. And I consider myself to be the luckiest. I mean, I've been very fortunate to have a great run and it's continued over the years. I still work for the radio station, still wear the barrel, but now, you know, bigger part of our morning show and just very blessed and very lucky. So. No, oh, beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. You know, and, and, and like you were saying, these things come out of nowhere. Yeah, you know, they do. You get lucky, you know, stupid things that you got to do. You got to try and you don't know if they're going to work. And it just kind of goes from there. And, you know, you just keep grinding and keep trying things. And I kind of compare that, you know, my work side of what I do to barbecue and to cooking. You know, I mean, I got into barbecuing uh, probably about 10 years ago. Uh, one of my best friends uh, is very close friends with Jason Baker from Green Mountain Grills. Mm -hmm. And we were out one day and got to shoot in the breeze with Jason. And Jason was like, hey, he's like, you know, we'd love to get you a smoker. And I'm like, sure. I had had a smoker in my backyard. I had one of those old, uh, I was calling the ones that look like the little mini fridges, you know, the ones that got the crappy little legs that you buy mm -hmm. at Home Depot for 60 bucks with the, with the, with the water pan and you know, you hope you don't burn anything up too bad. Yep. So I had one of those. So I'm like, Oh, I know about smokers. I got one. Well, I learned quickly that I had something that technically was a smoker, but it wasn't what I would be exposed to at the green mountain grill. And yeah, you know, became friends with Jason. And then that's kind of how the whole barbecue thing began. And I started to learn real quickly that with the barbecue world, everybody is extremely nice. 
everybody's extremely helpful as long as you are respectful yourself. Like if, you mm-hmm. know, if you get a tip from somebody, don't claim it as your own. Don't be like, oh yeah, I'm the one, I'm the very first person who ever thought about putting brown sugar and honey in my pulled pork wrap and act like, you know, you're the creator of it. If you're like, hey, I got this amazing tip from so-and-so, give ownership to it and then share it and be a be a knowledgeable, caring, sharing person. And the barbecue world is so welcoming. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I've learned that, but like you were saying about trying different things and building the processes and you don't know what's going to work and what comes out of nowhere. I mean, I think we all have stories. Everybody on this podcast today has got a, probably got a story of something they tried and said, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> Throw your hands up. And the next thing you know, you look back and you go, holy cow, what, what did I just make? This yeah. is amazing. And you know, then you think you're a genius and then you try it again and it's an absolute fail. And you're like, well, maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> and remember, you can always wrap it in bacon. Dude, that's <laughs> Kyle. I love Kyle. I love Kyle. If you follow Kyle on Instagram, uh, you're behind barbecue. I love him. I give him grief. And you know what? By the way, he is an immensely talented individual. Yeah. But I give him so much grief because he wraps every dang thing in bacon. But at the same time, though, I get I get what he's doing. He's trying to build his brand. He's trying to do oh, that. Yeah. He's trying to work in it. But I give him grief. Every Instagram post he makes has got bacon on there, and I just have to comment on there. I mean, he's the bacon king. He wraps everything in bacon. I think I'm pretty sure his remote control for his television is wrapped in bacon. I, I mean, I guarantee it. I mean, everything he's got, the guy's got wrapped in bacon. You know, and hey, good on him, though. I love it. So, uh if anybody out there has a bacon company and you're looking for somebody who can really incorporate bacon into something, hit up Kyle. You're behind barbecue. That dude is the bacon king. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, he's so talented, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, he, he just talks on, on your guys' show of, you know, the ancillary contests alone. Dude, uh, the shit so they right. come up with. Oh, it's unbelievable the ancillaries that he and Phil have turned in over the years and their ideas. Oh shoot, what was the thing? Phil was in a competition this past two a couple weeks ago up in Bullhead City, and he was talking about his ancillaries and he was talking about what he made in the dessert category. And I was like, looking at him, and I'm like, what? I mean, I think I'm getting gourmet when I make a cookie skillet of my smoker. And this dude's <laughs> dropping like the most wild things ever. And you get Kyle with all of his creativity. And I'm always like, man. And that's what I love about the barbecue world is everybody thinks, and I did for sure when I got into it, is first off, you don't realize how big competitions are. You have no idea how big these competitions are and how serious these competitions get. Mm-hmm. You have no idea with that until you start to peel back the layers of it but then when you find out about all the ancillaries and all the creative things they have to do and there's mystery ingredients you go to and all the creativity and the the true talent that everybody has in the barbecue community that's competing and going out and doing that i mean it's unbelievable i i I, I tell people i'm like you you think you know something from you know the thirty thousand foot view of something you have no idea what it's like until you dive into it and you find out how talented all the men and women are that are in the competition world. They're they're awesome. Like they're 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 so dang creative. They're so cool. They're so good at what they do. I joked with somebody. I said, I was like, I would love to be able to have the funds to do a pop up, not a pop up, but do a do a kitchen where 
once a week you let different barbecue chefs from around the country come in and just cook with free range to do whatever they want. Let's not worry about what the profits look like. Let's not worry about the P&L sheet. Let's just let it rip and let the creativity flow. Because I would love to see these chefs. I mean, you got, I mean, here in Arizona, we're fortunate we got Sterling Smith. I mean, my gosh, that guy's another monster. Smitty, you get him together. I'd love to do something where you get all these top chefs together and be like, hey, just go to this restaurant for this week. You each get a week. Let it rip. Blow people's minds. Cook an amazing feast. Let's not worry about if we make money, we lose money. We're just having fun, and we're just going to give mm-hmm. people an amazing culinary experience. I think it'd be so awesome, but that's going you know that would require hundreds of millions of dollars. And unless I hit Powerball in the next couple of days, I don't see that happening. <laughs> but if I do, if I do, if I do, I'm going to open one of those restaurants. It's going to be open for probably a year or two, and it's just going to be wide open, and we're going to have some fun with it. Ah, it'll be a good two years, though. It'll be a dang good two years. <laughs> Um, all right, I got to hit on something quick. You said you're originally from Detroit. Yes, sir. Now, I have spent a little bit of time out there. Where my wife had lived out there a couple years. Okay. And, you know, I'd we'd fly back and forth. And yeah. I Not really Detroit proper. It was, she lived in, let's see, what the hell was it? Taylor yeah, yeah, and, okay. and yeah. Belleville. Yeah, yeah, those are suburbs. Yeah, those are suburbs yeah. south of the city. Yeah, absolutely. Detroit pizza. Oh, man. Well, if you were right there, buddy, or if you were in Taylor and Belva and all that, I mean, the original, the OG of the pizza, Detroit-style pizza is Buddy's Pizza, man. I mean, yep. Buddy's is Buddy's is who started it. And if you don't know what Detroit-style pizza is, well, first off, it's rectangular. It's not round. It's or it's rectangular square. It's deep dish, but not Chicago-style deep dish. It's cheese all the way to the crust with a butter crust. It's got the perfect crust and the perfect combination. Sauce goes on top of the cheese, doesn't go below the cheese. It's just, it's an awesome experience. But yeah, man, Buddy's Pizza in Detroit is where it all started. And I tell people, Phil and Kyle on our podcast, don't drop the tongs. They are the barbecue masters. Those dudes can sling, sling it. The only thing I've ever been able to, and I'm not trying to blow my own horn here, the only thing I've ever been able to maybe say that I could do something on their level or close to it is making Detroit-style pizza. Uh, I learned how to make it for my family. Uh, I mean, my family's done the research to find the type of pans they use at Buddy's. You know, the shout-out Lloyd Pans, you know, and doing it in the proper dough recipes. And, you know, you get... Sean Randazzo, the legendary pizza king of Detroit also, and you get his dough recipe and, you know, you start making it and tinkering it and, you know, you're get putting brick cheese on there instead of mozzarella and, you know, cheddar, you're putting brick cheese and, you know, it's the right pepperoni cups and all these different things. So I've been able to make some pretty good Detroit pizzas over the years. And uh, I love that. I was a couple of years ago. Uh, Barbecue Island out here in Phoenix, the our local barbecue shop, hosted a pizza competition. You had to create a custom pizza. So I finished second. I actually lost to Kyle. Shocker. Because Kyle <laughs> killed me with some lobster amazing pizza. But I did a Detroit Coney style pizza. So think of Coney Dog. Have you ever had a Coney mm-hmm. Dog? Which is you know, hot dog, chili, cheese, 
you know, not chili, not cheese, but hot dog, chili, mustard, onion. I put all that on a pizza, on a Detroit-style pizza. And I remember the first time I did it, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be good or bad. You know, like one of those things we were talking about earlier, like you try something, it's going to go one of two ways. And I tried it, and it came out stellar. And I tell people, anybody can steal that idea if they want. You just do Detroit-style pizza. You put the cheese, you know, all the way to the edges. That's key with the Detroit-style. Push it all the way to the edges. And this is where it gets weird. You got to put natural casing, Detroit-style hot dogs. Yes, hot dogs on a pizza. You got to put it in the cheese. You got to cook it. And then at the end, you got to put, instead of sauce, you got to put Coney Dog chili. You got to put onions, and then you got to put mustard on a pizza. I know all that sounds so dang bizarre, God, but if you so good though, if you like Coney dogs and you've yeah. done it, let it rip. Go for it, man. I mean, I'm telling you, I remember the first time you tell people or you serve it for guests, and they go, "Is that a hot dog on a pizza?" And I'm like, "Yeah," yep. <laughs> and they're like, oh, "That's disgusting." I'm like, "Why is it disgusting?" I'm like, "Just try it." Yeah. So that that's when I, I tell people, let it rip, have fun with that idea. Um, it's awesome. So yeah. That's it. And uh, he is Daddy Dutch. This is this is my brother, Barrel. This is my brother. Okay. Love this guy. But what about Gabe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago? Well, we're talking Detroit. We're not talking Chicago. I don't know. I don't know, Gabe, but I'm telling you, if he's a sausage sausage king of Chicago, I'm all about that. I mean, Chicago's food is incredible. I mean that I, that's one thing I love about this country is all the different great food that comes out of different parts of the country and how every place has got their king, their queen, their folklore, their amazing recipes they're known for. I mean, you got obviously Texas, you know, with the brisket and the salt pepper, that whole vibe of barbecue and cooking here in Arizona. I mean, our, the Mexican food here is incredible. I mean, Talking about hot dogs, the Sonoran dogs with the bacon and all that craziness wrapped in there. New Mexico with the green chilies and Southern California. And then you get NorCal and go Pacific Northwest with the seafood. Then you go Middle America and you got Kansas City barbecue and Mm -hmm. Chicago, Detroit, back east. I mean, down south. I mean, you just think about that. I'm like, man, we are really fortunate to have some awesome food. That's what I love when with the podcast in the world and social media, it's allowed us to showcase our regions of food that we love. It's allowed us to everybody to see and to learn because for so long, you know, you would hear about the Chicago sausage King, right? You'd be like, that's cool. I have no idea who this is. Now with social media, man, you can search it out, Mm -hmm. find it. Read about it. If he's got it available to buy, you can order it, send it to your house. I mean, with the Detroit-style pizza, you know, you go back and you're like, oh, man, where do I go? You go to Buddy's Pizza. You know, you learn about these things. You learn about all these different regions through social media and through these podcasts that we got going right now. And it's a cool thing that we can share all the different styles. I mean, you're in New Hampshire. I mean, you guys got amazing seafood. What's something up? What's something in the Northeast, in the New England area? That someone like me in Arizona have no idea what it is and needs to learn about. Oh, we, uh, well, 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 up up our way, we're we're known for the what we call the referred to as the North Shore roast beef. Okay, what's this? Which it's a it's a roast beef sandwich. Okay, so normally top round. All right, all right, sliced, 
Okay. Thrown on the griddle a little bit just to put a, not hot, but just warm enough. You take an onion roll. All right. But butter it, grill it off, get the nice little crisp. And the proper way to order it is called a three-way. Oh, okay. Three-way is with cheese, mayo, and sauce. What's the and sauce? The, the sauce has to be a specific barbecue sauce. And, of course, it's going to slip my mind. No, it's back. We're good. It's called James River Barbecue Sauce. Okay. It's a. It's not a thin sauce, but it's not a thick. It's this little median okay. sauce right, to right. it. You know, it's not like pouring water out. It's got a little cons- little thickness to it, but it has this spicy tang. And that with the cheese and the mayo and the onion roll. Oh, my God. And everybody up here is the expert, which is beautiful. Everyone who makes it is the expert of making that sandwich. And, and because they just keep trying to outdo each other. I of love the, that. Of the sizes. The barrel, they'll have some sandwiches that are eight inches thick oh like, wow. like a roll it's that much roast beef in it you know and oh it's I love so it. good it's so good <laughs> see you and know, then before i came on this podcast i'd have no idea what the heck that even was now i'm like oh that sounds amazing you know i mean that's that's what i love about the barbecue world and the food world man with social media you can let it rip and find out so much you got uh you got restaurant depot out that way we do, yeah. We do have Restaurant Depot, yep. Okay. Um, you have a card, or I'm assuming Kyle definitely Yeah, has Kyle it. or Phil do for sure, yeah. If you go to Restaurant Depot, they sell that barbecue sauce there. Okay. Right. If I'm not m- mistaken, and I'll double check for sure, and I'll get back to you on it, but I believe Smithfield just b- bought the company last year. Okay, Smithfield. So at, yeah, yeah, with the like the regular size bottles, we'll get at the butcher shop. We'll have James River barbecue sauce on it. Yeah, at Restaurant Depot, it's Smithfield barbecue sauce. It's the same thing. Interesting. Yeah, but I'll I'll double check that and and I'll let you know because the 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 sauce is unbelievable. Curious if Smithfield's launch that on a national level and you be able to yeah find it in retailers i love you know the big craze in the past few years has been all the different korean barbecue sauces that have come to the yeah come to the market and i remember when those kind of used to be like a niche thing used to be kind of hard to find and now you know they got picked up by the right distributors and you can go into any local grocery store and get all those cool flavor profiles i just i just love about you know i think you would agree and everybody on this podcast or this stream today would agree that that's what's so awesome about the cooking is all the different flavor profiles, all the different things like you can have like a beef sandwich. Like you're talking about your beef sandwich. Like everybody knows what the heck that is, the basics, but you know, it's the different sauces with the onion rolls and all the different flavor profiles that you can change. You can take the same basic thing and make it a million different ways and t- make it taste a million different ways, which I love. Yeah. Oh, and here's daddy Dutch again, son of a bitch. New Hampshire doesn't have barbecue though. I I'm I'm taking that as a, as a slight there Dutch and I'm gonna challenge you to a duel. 
in about 29 days when we are in Steve's backyard at the at the Houston Livestock and Rodeo Show. Let it rip. You Let's know? do and it. Here's the thing is, I, I refuse to ever say that a certain place doesn't have good this or good that because, you know, I mean, I think I've learned that over the years. Like, I, I think some of the best some of the best stuff I've had where you're like, you know, not only barbecue, but food in general, you're like, you never would. I tell you, one of the best hamburgers, this is so random, one of the best hamburgers I've ever had in my entire life was in New Orleans at a restaurant called Port of Call. Okay. I'll never forget this. We were in Bourbon. We were there for a wedding. A buddy of mine got married there after like five days of doing wedding in Bourbon Street and eating every form of Southern fried food in the world. I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I remember being like, I'm over deep fried alligator. I'm over the swamp chicken. I can't do this anymore. So I said to this bartender, I'm like, all right, look, I don't miss meals. Where can I get a good burger? He's like, go to this place called Port of Call. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So we walked to this spot, whatever. Honestly, one of the best burgers I've had in my life. And I'm like, if you would have told me I'd had one of the best hamburgers in my life in New Orleans off of Bourbon Street, you know, in the French Quarter and all this, I'm like, what? You never in a million years would have guessed. And it's amazing. You know, you just never mm-hmm. know where you're going to find that amazing thing. So I never would say, oh, that barbecue is not going to be good. That place isn't going to be good, man. You never flip and know of what you're going to find. I mean, going back to our podcast, Kyle on our thing, like we said, you're behind barbecues is his business and everything. He's from a town in Arizona. We always give him grief on our podcast called Waddell. Y'all don't understand. Waddell is like, Okay, like the Phoenix metropolitan area has expanded and grown exponentially over the past 30 years. It's been for the past 30 years. It's been one of the fastest growing metros and counties, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Everything is expanded in this valley, this metro, except for Waddell. Waddell, where he is from, is legitimately a post office, a dirty old general looking store in a dirt four-way intersection like the play it's like what happened here like if you if i told you that this dude kyle was whipping up some awesome barbecue out of waddell arizona you'd be like ain't no way i'm eating it that ever came to waddell <laughs> but he's slaying it so again yeah. you never know where you're gonna find it nice nice now with your cooking man yeah you're you're throwing some stuff down brother uh, you, know, you know, here's the deal is I will say I can make some good stuff, but I can't do it as fast as and as good as other people. But I got to say a lot of the stuff I make, I can't take credit for. Mm-hmm. I will say I've, I, again, going back to social media, man, like I made a, a tri-tip sandwich the other day that I posted on social and it got a lot of damn good oh, comments God. and likes. It was a, it was a tri-tip sandwich. I seasoned it up with, uh, um, Sterling Smith Luton Booty Barbecues, uh, his uh, jalapeno rub that he's got. It's kind of a mm-hmm. dark rub. Seasoned it up with that, cooked it, reverse seared it, put it on a uh, like a brioche roll that I did a garlic aioli, toasted it with a garlic aioli, made a chimichurri sauce, add some grilled onions, some provolone to it. It was awesome. The sandwich was stellar, tasted amazing. You can see it on my Instagram at barrelboy1025. But I got to tell you, as great as what it was, that wasn't me coming up with that idea. Mm-hmm. That was me putting tri-tip sandwich into TikTok and to Instagram. 
and just watching videos after videos and getting little inspirations and be like, ooh, I like the idea of the grilled onions on this. Great idea. Ooh, I like the idea of the garlic aioli on there. All those different things. So, yeah, I, I was going to say that one tasted amazing. Y'all can steal it for the taste, but please, I don't want to take credit and say that I created that <laughs> that recipe because that was me That was me taking a uh, a collection of a lot of people's stuff and putting it all together. But let me tell you, that sandwich tasted damn good. Oh, that it, it looked tremendous. It was, it was, it was solid. It was a, it was a stellar, stellar one. You know, and I, and I think that's the beautiful thing, especially now with, with social media, is that we can see what everybody's doing, what everyone's putting out there. And like you said, take this idea and branch it off. Oh, he threw the, the aioli, you know, in there and this and the, you know, make some come up with something on your own, mix and match and come up with the recipe. And it does nothing but help the, you know, the barbecue and grilling Spread grow. The creativity, man. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I love is, you know, the spread the creativity, the spread the spread the wealth of knowledge. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, I'm, I'm all for spreading it. I just don't ever want anybody to ever to claim that, like, oh, my gosh, this is mine. I'm like, y'all, you, you didn't – this isn't 100% you. Like, you found inspiration with other people. Just share the wealth. Be like, man, I, I, I created this, but I saw inspiration from other people, and go with it. I think as long as we're sharing the love, we can go ahead and all enjoy. Oh, for sure. Um, now, I know you've been talking about in some of the – some of your posts, and I know you brought it up a couple times on the pod. Is it, I, I, is it Red Bird Chicken? Red Bird Farms Chicken, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're a company out of uh, based out of Colorado who uh, we do stuff with at the radio station as well. They were a sponsor of ours, whose station. Their chicken is amazing. Red Bird Farms, their chicken is incredible, great flavor. They're awesome to work with. And like, what's great about it is the restaurant quality chicken that you can buy in the grocery store here in Arizona. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie uh -huh. to you. You are gonna pay a little bit more. I'm not gonna say you're not gonna like, you know, get it for the same price you're gonna get the house brand for. But I'm gonna tell you, you go get that chicken breast. You know, like when you go to a restaurant and you have that chicken breast and that sandwich, and you go, "Dang, yeah, how come I can't cook chicken <laughs> like this?" Well, it's partially because the chicken we're using. And I'm telling you, Redbird Farms, man, their chicken is legit. It is. It's worth it if you see it. I know it's kind of more, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe it's more Western United States. I know the company yeah. is based out of Colorado. Great stuff. But if you ever see it, get it, go with it. Uh, it is definitely worth it. And they're a great partner of ours. I've been able to have some fun with them. I mean, they're a great partner. They were like, we want you to create some recipes that anybody can make anywhere with any tools, have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Come on. How awesome is that? When you get a partner who's like, let it rip. You're like, all right, let's go. I'm all about that life. Oh, absolutely. Let me, you, you just let me run wild with it. Oh, I'm yeah. Game. Like here's I'm the game. ball. Here's the ball. Run, go have fun. Okay, let's go. <laughs> all right. Now, we're going to go back to Daddy Dutch here for a second because you're officially going to win him over with this next next segue. Okay. You are a, I don't even want to say an avid 
You are a NASCAR passionado. Absolutely. Huge NASCAR fan. I've uh now you travel the country. Yeah. Tracks to tracks. I've been all over the place. Yeah. How I did grew, that start? I grew up in it. Uh I grew up I grew up in a household that was extremely auto racing. I mean, grew up in Detroit. If it's got a motor in it, you race it. You push it to the extreme. So I grew up as a young child. My father was in racing. I remember missing school as a kid and going to racetracks and learn, saying, being told you're going to learn a lot more at a racetrack than you are missing a day of school in the middle of May. Like, come on mm-hmm. now, you ain't going to learn nothing. What are you going to use? What are you going to use third grade social studies for? Never. So I, uh, I grew up loving NASCAR. Was been a fan since I've been, man, basically able to walk and talk. And I've stayed with it, and I've been fortunate over the years uh, to actually, you know, again, going back to the amazingness and perks of my job, and I've been blessed with that, to make some connections and to meet people in the industry. And now I've got a lot of friends that I don't just call friends. I mean, they're they're brothers of mine that are on teams, that are drivers, et cetera, that it makes it, makes it awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love to go to the races, but I've also been able to go to the races and bring barbecue with me. So we we let it rip. So in Phoenix, in Phoenix, we're fortunate. We have two races a year here in Phoenix. We have a race in March. And then the past few years, as well as this year, we have the championship race. So we we let it we let it rip, man. We throw a party every year at our camp called it's called Camp Barrel Boy. And we've got this past year, we had five teams come through. We've had about 80 people. I mean, we got pork going. We get, we do pork butts. We're cooking beans, mac and cheese. We're just throwing it down, and we let it rip and have a big old party. So we did one of those in Phoenix, and then I did one in Darlington, South Carolina this past year. We did Atlanta. Um, we didn't cook out in Chicago this year because of Chicago street race. But, man, we love to throw down. It's the best thing in the world. I mean, I love auto racing. Auto race and barbecue, drinking beer, country music, it all goes together. I mean, in a blender, you mix it all together, you get Barrel Boy. And that's what I love, man. I mean, I I love a good time out there. I love I love NASCAR. Like, I mean, I love all sports. I, I'm a sports junkie. Uh, I, I grew up, I mean, growing up in Detroit, though, you kind of had to find a release there because for a while, up until this past mm-hmm. uh, few weeks, the Detroit Lions were a disaster. They would break your heart. We still probably will break my heart. We're probably going to do that this weekend. I'm, I'm kind of expecting it. But, you know, the Lions were so bad over the years. You know, you had to kind of find something new. And auto racing has always been kind of that release. I love NASCAR growing up in it. So, And like you said, bringing the barbecue to the NASCAR. Yeah. What does that entail? So what goes in for the, I guess, the perfect tailgate for NASCAR, because like a football game, you got one day a tailgate. Yeah. In NASCAR, you're looking at close to a week. Oh, well, you know what? I got to <laughs> tell you, I, I can't take full credit for it. I go with some great friends of mine, and we've been doing it long enough. We've been going for well over 10 years now. We've made a, a lot of, uh, you know, lists and changes and that type of stuff. It's a team effort, but... You know, I mean, our our camp in NASCAR in Phoenix, we've got six spots and everybody's got six spots. Everybody's got their motorhomes on there. Every meal you're feeding at least 20 to 30 people minimum. Mm. So, I mean, breakfast, you're throwing down on the flat tops and, you know, and then you're 
lunch you're just doing whatever and then dinners you're throwing down so the essential things for a great nascar tailgate uh well number one is cold beer Mm -hmm. because if your food is bad and the beer is cold and the drinks are flowing your food is going to taste better (laughs) so i mean cold (laughs) beer is number one uh definitely gotta go with the cold beer but i we usually do honestly we usually do pulled pork and the reason why we do pulled pork I used to do tri-tip. I love tri-tip. Tri-tip, kind of a West Coast thing. I love tri-tip. But that we used to do tri-tip when we only used to be feeding 20, 30 people. Now when you're feeding 80 to 100 people, rolling into a Costco and buying two, two big old packages of pork butts, dropping 70 bucks and throwing them on the smoker at 5 a.m. and letting them roll all day long, that's a heck of a lot easier way to do it. So we always do pulled pork, and then we do mac and cheese. We do beans. We do salad. We do rolls. We put it all out, man. We uh, we let it rip, and I always tell people, everybody's welcome. And uh, the only thing that's tough about it, the only thing I will say is rough about it, everybody on here knows about cooking pork butts, you know? I mean, low and slow. Let them rip. Mm-hmm. Have fun with them, right? Well, we like to try to usually eat early in the afternoon or early evening. Usually you eat about four o'clock. So that means you're putting that pork butt on at four thirty-five o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Well, we've been out there for two or three days before. So let me tell you what you're waking up with. Uh, you're waking up with, you know, shall we say your brain trying to come out your ears. Sometimes you're operating a little slow and you're standing out there trying to operate a, a you know, season up that pork butt and yeah. you're doing the lean, you got your left hand, you got your left hand on the bumper of the bus, trying to keep yourself upright while you're seasoning it, you know, and you're putting it on there. But you know what? It's all part of it. It's all part of the fun. We love it. Uh, like I said, I'm fortunate I go with a great big old team of people and we just throw down. It's a it's a big old party. And I mean, we've had had a lot of great memories over the years. It's it's fun. <laughs> I love it. Nice. See, I, I called it, Barrow. I called it. All right. Dutch. So- I see Daddy Dutch saying here, favorite NASCAR driver, past or present. Uh, well, that's tough. Uh, I grew up a Bill Elliott fan. Um, I don't know why I fell in love with him as a kid when I was real young, but I fell in love with Bill Elliott. My dad was a big Dale Sr. fan, so I learned on a real young age what that intense robbery was like. I mean, I remember, you know, learning real quickly how how good Earnhardt was and how much it frustrated me that he, that Elliot would get beat by him a lot, but I grew up a Bill Elliott fan as a kid. And then as I've gotten older, uh, I'm more, the drivers that I pull for are often the drivers that my buddies work for. Um, so I got friends that work for track house racing. So you love to see, um, Ross win Ross Chastain love to see Ross win. I have friends that work for 2311, so I enjoy when Tyler Reddick runs well, uh, Bubba Wallace runs well. I know he can be very polarizing to people, but I tell people, you don't necessarily always care about the driver. I have friends that work for Joe Gibbs Racing, you know, back when Kyle Busch was there, another very polarizing driver. You know, somebody's like, oh, I can't believe that. I hate that driver. And I say, no, 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 I don't hate the driver because I have friends that are on that team. Mm-hmm. And you want to see your friends succeed. So, yeah, take the driver out of it. You see your friends succeed. Your friends get win bonuses. 
They get to share that wealth with their family, their kids. You get to make memories together. So as I've gotten older, I'm more friends with or more fans of where my buddies are working. Driver-wise that I've become friends with, uh, Tyler Reddick and Ross Chastain have gotten to know over the years. They're great guys. Love them. But again, if I can if I can know guys that are on teams and see my friends succeed, all for it. I, I don't care if the driver is a, a polarizing like him, hate him guy. If my friends are winning, I'm happy. Beautiful, beautiful. Like I said, I knew it. I knew it. And whenever you said, Barrel Boy, you're speaking to my heart. Absolutely. Yeah. I knew that I was going to get him. Um, well, I was talking with a little bird earlier this All afternoon. Right. And he told me you how you feel about Bed Bath & Beyond I love Bad Bad Candles. I'm all about it, buddy. All about it. Let me tell you what. I'm all about that life. And I'll tell you this much. I'm a single bachelor. I refuse to be the stinky, smelly bachelor. My house smells good. I have candles. I have, hell, I'll show you around my living room. I got a candle burning right now. My living room smells good. My house smells good. I'm all about that life. You got to have the good soaps. I, I don't use their lotions. But, man, soaps, candles, man, I'm not. I ain't going to have no stinky house. I'm not going to be ashamed. Yep. That I don't have a stinky house. Nothing worse than when you go in a dude's house or even someone who's married, a couple's house, and you walk in there, you're like, this house smells like a wet dog. I judge yep. you. Now you want me to eat out of your kitchen and your house smells like a wet dog? Come on now, get lost. I will take my mahogany teakwood scented house and have it much better than smelling like a wet dog or trash. Uh, you want to take any guess on who that little bird was? Oh, it's probably Kyle. <laughs> uh, it's probably Kyle. It's probably Kyle, oh, yeah. but you got to realize Kyle's a savage. Like Kyle lives at home with his dad and brother and their dog Rin Tin Tin. I mean, are you kidding me? They got like it's the Three Stooges and they in a in a dog in their compound of in Waddell. I, they wouldn't know what Bath and Body Works was if it slapped them in the face. <laughs> uh so I <clears throat> I had to take my wife to the chiropractor today. Oh, man. Okay. And she was having a pinched nerve and injury on her uh, on her, on her, her lower back, on her hip side. So brought her to the chiropractor, straightened her out, put some ice. So she was asking me, you know, hey, well, you know, what's going on with the show tonight? And, you know, I was telling her about you and yeah. the different things and different stories on the pod and everything. I am fascinated by your yearly holiday party, the cookies <laughs> and booze. And I cookies told her, and, and booze, she, goes, yeah. she goes, cookies and booze. I go, yes, in an absorbent amount of cookies, an absorbent yeah. amount of booze, and you combine the two. Yep. How did that come about? Just so I love holiday it. party. I love to throw parties. I, I, I mean. I've been throwing parties over the years since I was in college. I mean, hell, in college, we threw a Christopher Columbus Day party one year because we had school off, and we one of us dressed as the Nina, the other one dressed as the Pinty, the other one dressed as Santa Maria. We each dressed like a boat made out of cardboard boxes, and we invited people. And then oh, a buddy shit. of mine stood as Christopher Columbus on a picnic table in our backyard. And and it, like I said, we love to throw parties over the years. We've been doing the craziest, goofiest things over the years. So. Uh, I, I love Christmas. I think Christmas is the best time of the year. Uh, I love how it gets people together with friends and family. Usually work and life slows down. We all have a good time, right? Well, 
I started thinking, I was like, I want to do a, an annual Christmas party, but I'm like, I don't want to do the white elephant. I don't want to do the, you know, the goofy, stupid, <clears throat> cheesy things. That isn't my style. I'm like, well, what do we love about the holidays? I'm like, well, we love the cookies. Let's be real. Christmas cookies. Mm-hmm. I love that. And we all love having cocktails with friends and family. So I said, well, let's throw it together and call it cookies and booze. I provide the booze. You bring the cookies. Let's let it rip. And it's been going for about, I don't know, 15 years now. And it's kind of grown from uh, back in the day. It'd be, you know, 10 people. Then it grew and it grew and it grew. And now, I mean, it's it's an absolute, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful mess. I like to tell people. I put a, I put a snow machine on my roof that's blowing snow off the, off the roof when you walk in and there's a snow entrance in arizona we don't get snow as close as we get to snow is a snow machine <laughs> there's a red carpet walking you up santa claus walking around the grinch walking around um an enormous amount of cookies a ton of booze we let it rip bring a bartender in and things get wild i mean i think last year we had i don't know i kind of lost count over 80 people coming through and it's it's a it's a melting pot of all my friends and people I do business with over the years and everybody's welcome. And I, I said this to somebody the other day, I said, I, I was looking at my backyard, the Christmas party, I was looking at my backyard and it was like, this is the most diverse collection I've ever seen in my life. We had, we had the barbecue group. <clears throat> we had Phil, Kyle, Luton Booty, Sterling Smith. We had his wife, Kyle's sister was there. She brought a friend. So we had like, that was like a little group of the party. And then I have a lot of friends that are first responders. I'm a big supporter of first responders. So we had one area that was police officers. We had another area that was firefighters. And then we had my neighbors. They were in another section. And then it just got to the most random collection in the world. Uh, NASCAR driver Dale Jarrett. He's a friend of mine. He lives mm-hmm. out here. So Dale Jarrett's in the backyard as well. There's a couple of pro golfers that live in the neighborhood. They're rolling through. And I'm literally looking at this and I'm like, what is going on right now? I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. And everybody's just getting along and enjoying themselves and laughing. And the Christmas party every year is great. You got to invite all your neighbors to the oh, Christmas yeah. party. Because let me tell you what, with the take over the whole street and my neighbors are really cool. They kind of let me throw it down one time a year. And then we clean it all up Sunday morning. I have it on a Saturday and clean it all up Sunday morning. And Go back to it, but I love doing Christmas party cookies and booze. It is just a great big old just mess, a beautiful mess. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, I love hearing the the stories about it, and uh, you know the the boys drinking all the Coors Lights. And... Oh yeah, well that happened that happened two <laughs> years ago, man. That happened two years ago. That was that was a that was funny. So yeah, two years ago it was the twenty twenty two Christmas uh, cookies and booze party. Kyle came, uh, Josh Day, who's another comp- comp- uh, competitor, mm-hmm. uh, also with Barbecue Island out here. He came with his wife. Jason Baker from Green Mountain was there. Well, they all had this table anchored down. And you never know. I mean, everybody on here is throwing a party. You never know what you need. You don't want to have too much. You don't want to have too little. You know, you're always kind of trying to walk that line. So I remember that party, and I'm like, all right, I got 430 racks of Coors Light. And I have a keg of Christmas beer. Like a, it's a not a full keg, but like a pony keg, uh, the tall slim. Did the math. And somebody's like, oh, there's like 73 beers in there. And I'm like, my head, I'm like, okay, I have 200 beers. 
Plus, I've got bourbon, all the other stuff. I'm like, I should be good on beer because I don't want to buy and not need it, etc. Well, the party's ripping, and the bartender goes to my dad. Uh, yes, my parents come to my party. It's hilarious. They judge me the whole time. I know it. My The bartender goes to my dad. My dad comes and finds me and goes, you need more beer. And I go, no, we don't. I'm like, there's more into the table. He's like, no, that's gone. I'm like, okay, well, there's the keg. He's like, the keg's floating. And I look at my watch, and it's like 9.45, 10 o'clock. The party started at 7. And I'm like, <laughs> but, and I look around. And I've got a cocktail in my hand, and I'm looking around. I see people with cocktails in their hands. I see some of the ladies at the party. They've got the <clears throat> this uh, champagne drink I make called the uh, called the uh, stumbling or called the tipsy reindeer. I'm like, who's drinking all the beer? Like, what is going on? And I look as I say that, or as I'm thinking that, I look over and I hear this roar, and it's Kyle and his brother, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, those six idiots have basically drank my beer dry. So we had to go get more beer for that. So this year I was prepared for for that. I wasn't prepared for Smitty to come join the mix as well as fill the grill. So we definitely, thank goodness I had enough. I didn't run out this year. But, uh, yeah, we go through. And those boys throw down on it. I mean, I should have known. I mean, I guess I would have figured, you know, four 30-packs and a keg would have been good enough for six to seven adults. But I was like, well cookies and booze go ahead and plan for even more you know it was fun (laughs) nice now for anybody who does follow your show you'll you'll get a kick out of this next question you got the wonderful over under category okay okay over under what's happening first birds and bones opens up gosh or fill the grills new rub line comes out Oh, birds and bones for sure. Birds and bones. <laughs> birds and bones is gonna open. Uh, okay, birds and bones is Kyle's restaurant. Uh, Kyle, you're behind barbecues. Open a restaurant. Kyle's a perfectionist. He wants to make it absolutely perfect. They've had their battles with the city, yeah. the fire marshal. They've pushed through all that. He actually posted on his Instagram just the other day that it's getting really close to opening. So birds yeah. and bones will open. Now Phil's new rub line. I have tried them by the way, and when they come out. His rub me all over stuff. I'm telling you, it is incredible. His stuff is awesome. He needs to get the damn stuff on the shelves because it is great. But no, definitely for sure, uh, Birds and Bones opens. Now, you want to talk about a big old party? Anybody on this podcast or on this stream watching it, if you want to book yourself a ticket out to Arizona, that is going to be one heck of a Don Day Brook when that restaurant opens up. I tell him, I'm like, you better be prepared because there's going to be a fury coming your way. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, it's just, just listening to the absolute nightmare he's gone oh, through. Dude, he has been a know, trooper, man. And... He's been a trooper battling with the city, the fire marshals, the the ever-moving goalpost to open, you know, the permit battle. I know that a lot of people can relate to that who own restaurants, who are small business owners, not just restaurants, they're small business owners. The struggle's real, and it's a, it's a battle. And if you don't know what it's like, I would say to someone, if you don't realize the struggle that small business goes to succeed, ask the small business owner and find out about it. That'll make you want to support local even more when you find out the struggles they have to do to even keep their doors open, let alone compete against the big fish. Yep, yep, yep. 
All right, Barrow. I got one more for you, if you right. don't mind. Let's go. And uh, we're going to have to throw the uh, tinfoil hat on this one, if you don't mind. Oh, I think I know where we're going with this. Let's go. Barbecue scoring. Man. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not. It's not even a question. It's a statement. Barbecue scoring. Here's my question. Because you and I are in the same boat. Well, here's my thing of, with it. And I understand the different competitions with the different sanctioning bodies. I understand that it's done on a very, it's an amateur thing. You know, it's, it started, it was, how I say, it was intended to be amateur. It's intended to more or less be fun. Let's be real. You know, it's fun. It's, it's you know, like we've talked about barbecue. It's about family. It's about doing this stuff. But when you start to mix in sponsorship dollars, when you start to mix in major prize money, it gets more serious and the more serious it gets, it needs to have a standard protocol for what judging should be. And when you really break down and you look at how judging is done at different competitions and all the different variables that change between each competition, how each person runs it, even though they're supposed to have an SOP that they're, that they're following, but well, you know, Let's bend it a little bit here. Let's do a little bit here. I don't know. There's so much unknown with it that really makes me kind of sometimes question it. And I say this, a great example of it, of how the judging can be so different. When you look in SCA competition and you cook a steak day one and you turn it in and let's say hypothetically you place third. The next day... You do a turn another steak in, right? And that same steak prepared the same way, probably pretty close to the same quality mm -hmm. of meat, prepared the same way. Granted, there's going to be a little bit of a variable in it, right? You know, I mean, but if you cooked it the same, you didn't screw it up, and you can score a third with steak A, it's steak B, who's graded or scored by a different set of judges, can finish 23rd. Mm -hmm. Explain that to me. How can you have, how can you get a call? How can you walk the stage with steak A? Steak B, cooked by the same people, the same way, same everything. Yes, there can be overcooked, undercooked. There can be those things. Yes, but let's take those out. Let's say it is cooked the exact same. There are no issues. How can you go, how can you have a walk top three steak and have a steak that finishes in the bottom third? How can there be that much difference? What's the biggest difference? It's the judging. And the judging comes down to the judge's palates. Uh, you know, you I've heard Phil and Kyle talk about they go to competitions and they've been told by a judge. It was a wing competition. Oh, I don't like eating meat off a bone. Yeah. Excuse me? You're a judge and you're judging ribs? In wings, and you don't like eating meat off a bone, but you're judging that. Yeah, how 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 does that work? Explain that to me. And then my other question I have with all that is, you have the judges are friends with the with the people competing. Not saying you can't be friends with one another, but what stops you, Johnny, from saying to me, going, "Hey." 
I am going to uh, I'm going to step outside the box today, and on my turn in, I am going to I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something really out of the box different. I'm gonna use a different sauce. I'm gonna use a mustard based sauce, and it's gonna be yellowish in color. And that one's mine, right? Mm-hmm. And or that one's yours. And you tell me this, and you're like, oh, I'm like, okay. And let's say the prize to win is a thousand bucks. And you say to me, hey, if you see other people in the judging room that are your friends in there, let a few of them know at some tables that that's mine. All right, cool. And I'll split you off a third of it. That comes across, I open the box, and I go, oh, these are Johnny's ribs. (laughs) Boom. I'm going to score him higher. And when scores are determined based upon tens of points, you can't tell me it can't be manipulated. I mean, if they're cheating and rigging in the NBA, like they did in that, you know, that stuff that came out a few years back, it can happen in the barbecue world. And also, I'm not even, I could go down a whole thing. I'm not going to go after the Royal. If anybody in this barbecue community knows what happened in the American Royal this year, somebody was awarded the grand champion to find out that they didn't win and had that taken away because of a, scoring absolute mess that that was multiple podcasts have talked about that i'm not going to bash them i'm not going to go down that way i'm just going to state the facts that somebody was awarded the was awarded it did the whole thing right got the crown did the whole thing and found out they didn't win because of a scoring mistake there was judge there was score delays all that i have troubles competing in something where that is a common theme. And that, that happened to the Royal at the World Series. It's happening in back. It's happening in parking lot barbecues everywhere. I just, I struggle with that. And I, again, I love the creativity. I love the competition side of things. I love all that. But man, I just really struggle with the judging aspect of it. I mean, mm-hmm. when I hear Kyle and Phil tell me about this stuff, I just go, wait, what? Huh? Wow. And I know that there are judges that listen to this podcast. I know there's judges that listen to our podcast that are great people, that are doing a phenomenal job. And you know what? They should be the flagship. They should be the benchmark to show to show how it's done. Because unfortunately, there are some people that are judges that aren't, aren't qualified to do it. But they're determining scores where they're impacting money. And yeah. I, 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 I scratch my head with that. Yeah. And I ran into an incident this past year. Um, We were at a KCBS Master Series event. And (coughs) up here, we they run the the Master Series on Sunday. Okay. So you start cooking Saturday night into Sunday, turn-ins on Sunday, while it seems for some reason the rest of the country does Saturday. Mm -hmm. But okay. On Saturday, we had a kids' queue and a people's choice. Okay. And I did um, people's choice. I did El Pastor tacos. Oh, okay. And I had everything going on, the rotisserie on the backside of my pit. Beautiful. And this lady comes up and says, are you entered in the people's choice? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And this is what you're turning in? I go, well, yeah, it's the Al Pastor. Yeah. It's going in a taco form. Yeah. And 
is that pineapple I see on it? Um, yeah, that's part of the El Pastor. El Pastor, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, I can't have pineapple, and I'm one of the judges. So you're toast. Well, I'm fucked. Yeah, you're toast. I'm fucked. I might as well have just hit, stopped yeah. spending it and just started passing it out to the boys. And you're sure toast. as shit, I was, you know, whatever. But it was like, well, yeah. Okay. But also, here's my other bigger question. This woman it could be a woman. It could be a man. They're judges, right? Why are they coming up and talking to you? Yeah. In knowing what you're making before you're doing it. Yeah. They shouldn't be. There should be no intermingling. There should be none of that. Because she may have, in her mind, hopefully she doesn't have an allergic reaction to it, but in her yeah. mind, she may think, I don't like pineapple. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know people that absolutely hate mustard. They think mustard is the most disgusting thing in the world. If they knew that I rub my pork butts down with mustard before I season them, they would never eat it. But I don't tell them that. But if they saw me preparing it, they'd be like, I can't eat that. It's got mustard on it. And they go into it with a preconceived mental notion. That judge, without knowing that it had pineapple in there, may have never had an idea that pineapple was an ingredient in what you were making the El Pastor tacos. She may have had it and said this is the greatest thing she ever had in her entire life. Mm -hmm. But she's walking around seeing what you're making, comes with a preconceived notion, and you are going to be impacted negatively. That kind of goes back to what I'm talking about of yeah, this this can't be. And I I love I love competition. And I know in competition, you always are gonna have, let's be real. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's an old racing statement, right? You're always supposed to be pushing that envelope, man. And I get it. I'm all for trying to push it a little bit and trying to compete, but there needs to be a baseline. There needs to be a standard operating procedure. There needs to be the balls and strikes, the outs, shall we say of the competition yeah and that's where i struggle with it that's where i'm like guys come on here and the fact that you can tell me that you can't who knows maybe this woman would have loved alpa store tacos seen what you were doing it and she's like oh my god i love these so much and you you two strike up a friendship and i mean obviously you're a very honest man but you could say to her hey i think i'm the only person turning in alpa store tacos let it be known in the uh, in the judging room before you guys go back in there. If they see this, help me out, and uh, I'll take care yeah. of you. How could that not happen? Could with I, I, could happen. And here's the deal: I'm not saying that it's that's not ethical, that's not right. But when you're competing for thousands of dollars, yeah, sometimes people's ethics and morals get a little skewed when they're competing for thousands of dollars mm -hmm. and i'm not saying it's happening all the time but there's too many variables that it that it can happen and this is my frustration with it i bring it up on our podcast i bring it up i talk about it and everybody wants to say oh no this doesn't happen and i say okay i'm a complete outsider looking at this tell me that there's not areas that could be improved and if there's areas that could be improved why are we not improving them you know what i mean like why are we not tightening them up why are we not making it better i mean let's be real again i know kcbs has made improvements they say to the royal and they've made those changes they've done those things 
But the American Royal this past year, there's no way to put it. That was a very not 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 an ideal pretty scene for anybody. And that shouldn't no. happen. That's the that's the pinnacle. That is the top of it. That shouldn't have happened. I'm not bashing KCBS. I'm just stating the facts that that was a very messy situation that you don't want to see, man. You get I look at you get Kyle and Phil who drove across the country. You get my boy Smitty who drives across the country. You probably had friends there. Everybody on here mm-hmm. had friends who spent hundreds and thousands of dollars to drive there to compete to give it their all because man they absolutely love this this is their passion this is their drive they want it they put their heart and money into doing this to go there and to not be given an a plus product isn't cool yeah for something that you could have seen coming for a while that was a that might need some attention yep and the worst part is that happened at the Royal. A few weeks later, it happened again at, um, I want to say, the the Atlanta Barbecue Store puts together this giant I did hear something about that, yeah. They, they fucked up. The scores got fucked up on that one, too. It's like, it's like what is going on here, folks? There is an issue. And I know that, I know that it... I know that, I mean, I've seen interviews that people from KCBS have done, you know, they've talked about stuff. Uh, what's his name? Um, oh, my gosh. I'm like on the podcast. Uh, Barbecue Central. Greg Rempe. Yeah. yeah. What Greg's talked about on there, he's had people on. He's had very honest, open discussions about stuff. Mm-hmm. And it sometimes comes down to maybe the software they're using, the accounting stuff they're using is maybe it could be updated, right? It could be invested in. I understand KCBS is running on a tight budget. Lots of places, lots of businesses, lots of things are having to make things work and adapt and do those types of things, right? You know, and they're having to operate on a tight budget. I understand that. But what I do know about the barbecue community is there's a whole lot of really nice, honest, amazing people that have a lot of connections out there. If KCBS went forward and said, hey, Obviously, you know, our scoring system, we're having some issues with it here. Is there anybody in the barbecue world out there who works for a company, who has developed a program, who knows things, we're open to hearing suggestions on how we could improve this. I'm not saying use that. Per- don't let a, I mean, granted, we could go down the whole other conspiracy and let a team be the one that dr- that drafts up the, the you know, the scoring software. Mm-hmm. But let's say you've got... Let's look at here. I don't know this guy, Daddy Dutch Barbecue today, but how do we know he doesn't work for a, a, an accounting firm or his wife's sister doesn't work for an accounting firm that this is what they do. They do scoring and comp, you know, and all this difference. The world of barbecue is such a huge collection of people who know somebody, right? How do you know you don't have somebody out there who says, hey, by the way, I can connect you with somebody who can give you a program who can work with you to do this. You know, they can help you. They can do this. Instead of burying your head in the sand and pretending you don't have a problem, use the vast experience of the barbecue community and ask for help. Ask for suggestions. I mean, you, you, if you own a restaurant, right, and you have something, it, you have something that comes out and you get, you, what do you ask? You ask for suggestions on your menu, right? Someone says, you know, that, that, that could use a little of this. 
you got to listen to your audience. And I know, like, you know, I see people on here saying, you know, that Rod will fix it. You know what? I hope he does. I hope he does. I hope that I hope that he unfortunately had to take the egg on the face in 2023 and behind the scenes is like this will never happen again. And they roll into 2024 with a whole new thing and they go to the Royal with a amazing new system. And we look at this and we say that was the moment that it got fixed and we improved it. I really hope that happens. Yep. But until I see it. Until I see it, until I see these changes, I'm gonna I'm gonna have my questions. Yep. And you know, then you got all the Memphis and May stuff going on and Which, with that other new contest. But you know, I, I gotta be honest, I, I'm familiar with it a little bit on that. I don't know fully on that. I, I I'm I don't I don't get into politics and I'm not a political person yeah. at all, but it does seem like there may be a little bit of politics and all that going on there. And you know what I hope happens at Memphis in May? I hope that both those competitions absolutely kick butt and become awesome. And that you can circle that date on your calendar and be like, that is the weekend of barbecue. Let's go down there. Let's kick butt. Let's bring a whole bunch of teams to Memphis in May to the other competition. Let's, let's drive people to the hotels. Let's bring people into the competition. Let's open up to the public. Let's have a dang blast and let's, have two great competitions. That's what I hope for. Yep. And uh, it was it was a few months ago I had I had uh Darren Worth from Iowa Smoky D's on. Okay. A- AKA the goat of barbecue. Okay. The greatest of all time. And he was telling me he had cooked Memphis in May once or twice. I can't remember for sure. And and folks, I got no problem saying Darren is the one who said it because Go back and listen to that episode. He tells it on that, and he has told it on numerous podcasts he's been on. He was sitting with somebody on a bench at Memphis in May, and the judging was coming around. And the gentleman, he goes, well, what do you guys, what do you think? And the gentleman he was sitting with told him, well, if this person is judging ribs, (laughs) <laughs> this person will win. Oh, no. If if Tuffy Stone is oh, cooking no. hog, he's going to win, and he's going to win the whole thing. If this one is doing this and this one, the guy literally sat there and picked it. Now, whether he was, he should have played every lottery in the <laughs> world that day. Yeah. Or he knew inside and out how that ran. Sure as shit, everything he said happened. And Darren had confirmed this on my show and numerous shows. But it's the judging. This judge loves the ribs guy. If there's a celebrity in hog, the hog, the celebrity in hog's gonna win. If it and, and it would just went boom, boom, boom. You know, and it's like that's so disheartening. That. It because is. You, you, know, hate, you hate to hear that. You do. It's a world championship. It's Memphis in May. It, it's and like, competitions at the level of Memphis in May, the American Royal, there's sponsorships outside of, I mean, your rub and season could get picked up and be in every Lowe's and Home Depot in America. Yeah. That's huge. You can get major corporate America sponsorship dollars behind your team. That's a lot of money, man. And that's why I want it to be fair. And I hope that KCBS had to wear the egg on the face, like I said, and 
and take it and try to defend it because that's what you do if you're a good leader. You defend your people. You don't throw them underneath the bus. And I hope that there was many closed-door meetings behind the scenes of saying, guys, this cannot happen ever again. What can we do to prevent that? Now, if the problem continues, yeah. I don't know what to say other than to say you're just providing fuel for the fire. Hundred percent, brother. It's it's a wild game we play. Ah, but, but you know what, man? It's a fun game. We love we play. it. It's a fun Absolutely. game we play, man. I mean, dude, it's 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 a fun, great game. It's a great community. The barbecue community is all about it's family, you know. What I mean, in, yeah. a, in a in a world we live in right now, where it seems like they're again, we're not going politics, but there's a million different ideas and a million different things going a million different ways. But you know what? You know what everybody can agree upon? Dang good food. That's right. Put down some put down some good ribs. Doesn't matter where they're from. You have some good ribs and you open a cold beer together, and we all get along. Cheers to that, brother. Well, Barrel Man, thank you so much, brother. Thank you, I brother. Appreciate you having me on, man. We got to have you on our black. podcast too. I'll, I'll talk with the boys. We'll get you on. We'll have some fun. Uh, I appreciate it. I thank you for your time. Stay warm. I'm doing my best, brother. And you can with, go ahead. You send me with, the cold weather when come July when it's 119 here. Deal. Deal. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want none of that pot. <laughs> You know, but uh, real quick, where can everybody find you social media wise? At Instagram at Barrelway1025, easiest way. And then um, at Don't Drop the Tongs is our podcast. Don't Drop the Tongs. You can get it on every, uh, all the uh, podcast platforms, iHeartRadio, all of them. We'd appreciate it if you give us a listen. We thank you guys. And uh, let's, uh, let's have a great 2024. Let's, uh, let's all eat well, drink well, and uh, make some memories. And in my opinion, Phil's going to be the first one to buy lunch. Oh, shoot, dude. I guarantee that's going to happen for sure. A hundred percent. I mean, Phil, man, I love him, but fill, fill the grill. Hey, fill the grill. That's all you got to say. An amazingly talented man, but my goodness, does he sometimes make me go, <laughs> Awesome. All right, all right brother. Thank you, brother. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thank you all. Y'all all right. Day. Thanks. Hey, thanks, guys, for everybody tuning in. Appreciate it. That was a great uh, conversation with Barrel. I was so excited. You know, I, I talked to um, Phil. I talked to Kyle. And, uh, you know, uh, Barrel's been doing a bunch of great cooks. And I'm like, oh, let, let me round it out, get everybody on from the Don't Drop the Tongs podcast. And, uh, yeah, we had a gr- great conversation tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Um, Next week is uh, still up in the air, but um, just follow along and uh, I'll put a post up here and there and uh, we'll figure it out. But until next week, guys, keep the smoke rolling.